Having a Gas is the podcast that talks to the great and the good of the creative industries, and in particular finds out what makes great music for film, for TV, for commercials, for dancing to, for cooking to, for f***ing to, and more. Today, I'm having a guest with Dan Watts, who is the ECD of Pablo. And Pablo is one of the fastest rising and most talked about independent shops in London. And so I wanted to know what the plan was for their roster of new clients, including Deliveroo. And Dan sat down to tell me all about it. Dan, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It's uh, really nice to be doing something on a Zoom that isn't a meeting uh, on a Friday afternoon. So it's great. Is your diary like everyone else's at the moment, where it's just Zoom, 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 Teams? Yeah, yeah, it has been. I think, I think it's uh, it, it's been particularly busy as lockdown's gone on. I think, especially now, things are there's a bit of a light on the on the horizon. I think clients are starting to open up a bit more to more opportunities. So it's been it's been Zoom fantastic for me. But yeah. you know, trying to work out a way for us all to get a bit more time and space in between meetings now. Yeah, because that was the. Um... Sorry, it looks rude because I just realized I've not got a high, a close enough view of my audio on Cubase. So I'll make sure we chop this out in the edit. Very impressional. There you go. Um, I, uh, no, I noticed, well, obviously, what we've been through in the last year is a complete paradigm shift. It's different to the way we have been used to living. And yeah. you know how there's a trend, isn't there, with technological progress that we forget our own nature. We always imagine the new technology is going to make everything easier. And then because it saves time, we fill the time with more of it. And obviously, yeah. Zoom meant there's no commute anymore. So you've got time for two more meetings. Yeah, if there's a space, fill it in. I think I think we're slowly getting rid of that mentality because I think you're right. When you're in an agency, you know, it's those little bits between the meetings where the a, the fun bits are happening and, and the culture's happening, but also where you get to sort of chat shit and come up with stuff. Yeah. And I guess we're kind of losing that and they're being replaced with, for everybody, I guess, Zoom calls, which which are really hard to get that. They're really hard to get a bit of chemistry and have a bit of fun with. So they kind of become, in your brain, meetings. And, and you know, it's, tar- it's tiring for a lot of people. You know, it, it, it's, it's something I'm not necessarily going to miss, put it that way. I know what you mean. It's strange, isn't it? Like the minutiae of in- interaction that we don't pick up on, but that we all feel, what does that mean? It means that the reason we stay on Zoom meetings longer than we stay on the phone is because the audio is higher quality, so it's less fatiguing, and you can see someone, so you're getting more points of feedback. Um, then the next challenge, which makes it less than a face-to-face interaction is what you're demonstrating now. You know that you can't talk while I'm talking because we'll get this awkward. Oh, so, oh. Yeah, it's sort of a bit weird. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you're right. I think, you know, I don't mind them in small groups. And I think, you know, we've found on things like pitches, they've been quite beneficial because you can be quite lean with your time. You're not kind of over pontificating and staying too late on stuff. You, you know, you've got a bit of time management with, with things like that. Uh, me personally, I find it quite difficult when there's more than like, four people on a Zoom screen and you don't really know where you're going to be focusing. I can just about focus on you now, but I've got myself here. I still haven't worked out how to turn myself on. So I'm kind of aware of, you know, it's been really weird. Like I'm not used to looking at myself every day and I don't really like that uh, for many reasons. But but yeah, that inability to kind of take in body language and and, and jump in when somebody's talking and and crack jokes and all that stuff, you you do lose that. And that's... I think you're losing a bit of that human connection and I worry we become a bit of a slave to technology where, the, where before technology was there to sort of help us. Yes, so, actually. Yeah. There's, some, there's something I'm, I'm really keen to get your uh, take on in a moment and 
it's we're going to go back 20 years, I think, in a moment and start at the beginning. And uh, I'm jumping there off the back of something that I saw our friend Hugh Todd comment on, or maybe even said it was being a creative director now nowadays is... Um, and then he listed a number of all these digital applications that were meant to make things easier, but you're just jumping from one to the other. So you're doing a bit of Photoshop, you're doing a bit of Premiere, then you're jumping over to Teams for a thing, then you've got Slack over here, and then there's a Discord <laughs> thing going on. And you feel like all of your time is just managing all of the digital tools. Is that, is that yeah, how it feels? Uh, yeah, it's kind of managing clutter, isn't it? And I guess our job is, is well, it's simplistic, cutting through clutter and getting to really single-minded things. And you do find now that you're batting so many things around and sometimes it's really hard to step back from it all and look at the bigger picture. Like, what are we here to do? We're just here to make really good work. And that's got to be simple. And there's lots of elements now getting in the way of that. It's not just tech. I think it's layers, layers in agencies, stuff, people in meetings. There's lots of that. So one of the key things we've done at, at, at Pablo is, is to really simplify as much as we can. If we're, if we're overcomplicating things, it's not going to get them to better work. So stop doing it. Go back to simplifying. And that's from briefs to obviously how we approach work to meetings, all of that stuff. So we've been very much, especially in this last year, about process and get and planning ahead and having a now and next team and, and, and all of those things just to get things as simple as, as possible, which isn't easy. Well, simple isn't easy, but, you know, it's definitely something to aspire to. Well, is not is isn't that the truth? It's the simple isn't easy. It's like the distillation of the famous quote that everyone goes back to about you know I'm sorry I didn't have time to write you a shorter letter you know, um, <laughs> yeah. and even then I I butchered it. It's sorry it's so long I didn't have time to make it shorter. Yeah, because editing is eighty percent of the job, isn't it? Completely. Yeah, it, it, it's. I know you, you you talked with uh, Dave Dye the other week. He was mine and my old partner Rory's. First, you know, boss, boss, him and him and Sean, and that's one thing we really learned in in Campbell Door Dio, which was all about how hard it is to get to simple. Like you see stuff like Dave's work, and just how amazingly simple and easy it looks, brilliant. But that's really, really difficult. So, mm. so I think get, getting getting back to that, we got too complicated. Yes, we get more and more complicated, and it's very easy to get complicated. The world's getting more and more complicated, but trying to narrow down again on what's the single-minded, simple thing we're going to do? Yeah, so let's jump back to uh, where things were when you joined and let's move forward to where we are now. So um, I think I'm right in thinking, do you say you started at 180 Amsterdam? Yes, so yeah, 180, left uh, Watford, I think, in about 2001, just after 9-11. So <laughs> similar, not too dissimilar to, to how a lot of young people are feeling now, going into a bit of a weird world. You know, we, we, we just had 9-11 coming out of Watford and the world felt like it was on fire. There were no jobs and been going to the session. So we, we spent like two years just really focusing on the four agencies we, we wanted to go to and, and just being really focused on that. And uh, 180 sort of came up two years later and really exciting place. Um, very small then, very creative. Um, wasn't really planning to move move abroad, but... You know, I think as my mum said, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, just do it because yeah. you'll grow from that. And it's really cheesy, but it's really true. And we did it, and uh, yeah, it was really exciting, really exciting, um, really exciting place then. And obviously, you had like Widens, 
Amsterdam all competing with each other. And it was just like a really eclectic mix of people and, and ideas. And yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. So what were you, what, 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 what brought you into it? And what was your discipline? You know, were you a copywriter or were you a part of things? Um, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was always a writer first and foremost. So I've always liked strategies and ideas and, and, and problem solving. I, I think I still, that's why I love the job. You know, at the end of the day, we're solving problems, whether that's yeah. brief or whatever it is. And, you know, I, I, I've got a really good partner in, in Rory who thought very different to me. He's a bit more art director background, a lot more extroverted to me, real, real go-getter. And we just, we complemented each other really well. And uh, he, he was the one that went, we're going to Amsterdam. And uh, I was the one going, really? Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, get along with it. Uh, but, you know, we learned so much there. Um, and, you know, it was, it was off the back of that that we got in touch with Dave Dye. Uh, who's setting up Campbell Dine and, and I would have stayed there longer if it was not for that startup. And, and again, that was a really exciting opportunity just to, to go and learn off of brilliant people. Yeah, so Dave's obviously an industry legend. Um, and how did you get the introduction? How did you become aware that that was an opportunity for you? We just used to we, we just used to be really proactive in sending people stuff. Like we, we didn't really we didn't really have as much tech then, obviously, but we would just send stuff. We, we would have the briefs we had at 180 and things like Adidas we had to do day to day, but we'd, we'd carry on being proactive with, with ourselves as a team and we'd just send stuff to people we we, we thought were brilliant and, and we just scattergunned it until somebody responded. Um, and we, we did that no matter what job we were in. Uh, I think even towards the back end of uh, CDD when David left, we started doing that at places like Fallon and Widens. You know, we were working a lot with Mark Denton on practice side things and, and, and we that's how we kind of operated we we never settled we never sort of took a job and went right that's it let's yeah done now completely yeah we, we just kept kept moving and kept doing things and it kind of served served us well um but, but again a lot of that was down to my partner who's pushing me all the time and i think that's that's something i've learned along the way is you, you want to be working with people that, that get that out of you that keep you motivated and thinking and doing stuff and not settling and, and the places I've always moved to, I've always been around people like that. Yeah. So that, that's, that's really interesting. There's an interesting question to come out of this that might be useful to some of the younger members of the industry, particularly yeah. um, people who are maybe not so, what would you call it? Not so flashy. Because one thing, I, I mean, I, I think I mentioned him once every podcast, I'm an enormous admirer of Rory Sutherland. And because yeah. um, he's always good at shining a light on things that you had not thought about and pointing yes. out things that you hadn't noticed. And one thing he said was that workplaces have been dominated by extroverts, basically. It's all about as much interaction as possible. And so the reason I'm saying this is because people who are less extroverted, and there are men, plenty of them, will feel like they're going to struggle in this kind of career environment. But if they have creative uh, potential, they need to be have their talent fostered. And yeah. do you feel so the point is, do you feel like on the advice of your uh, on your mum and also the <laughs> the um, the geeing up of your uh, of your of your partner. Do you feel like you were someone who wouldn't have taken opportunities but was encouraged to jump over the fence? It's a really good question. I, I, I like to think ultimately yes, I would do that. I, I've always been, you know, I've always been a bit OCD with um, if I'm into something, I'll do it and I'll I'll make sure I nail it no matter what it is. Um, but 
you know, th- things can... I am more introverted than some other people and there are, you know, I think everyone gets a bit of that that complex of, uh, yeah, am I good enough? Can I do it? And, and I think just having having people around you that, that can kind of kind of um, balance that out a bit and, and help push you. And, and, and I do think what we do is all about the team and all about the people around you. I don't think any bit of work comes from one person. It, it's all, all, always about the people around you. I think has really helped. And, and, and I, you know, I would advise, well, extroverted or introverted people, whoever it is, I, I think find people and work with people that are opposite to you, that, that, that have a different type of mindset and a different brain and, if you're a bit extroverted, that can really help working with somebody quite introverted. And if you're really introverted, it can help working with somebody quite extroverted. It's all about clashing different brains together, I think, what we yeah. do. That's, and that's your, presumably, that's your creative side that's taking the reins there and saying, let's mash things up and see what interesting results we get yeah, out. Absolutely. And, and I think, um, you know, look at all the interesting places creatively over time that, and all the interesting, like, you know, talking about it before, like a uh, real cliche, but Lennon McCartney, you know, it's two completely different brains, complete opposite coming together to make a third brain. And, and that's, that's the interesting bit. So you look at a lot of these great places like, uh, like Channel 4, you, you go in there and, and it's, it's just full of a mishmash of different people from different backgrounds, different, different everything. And, and it, it just, the thing that ties them all together is they're all there for the same reason. Yes. They've all got a united goal and they, you know, you're bringing these people together to make cool stuff. Well, actually, let's jump forward to that. So one, th- we'll, we'll, we will, um, first of all, you know, I want to know, with Campbell Doyle Die, uh, you, you mentioned that a lot, you know, and you mentioned it with such reverence. I want to know what you learned there, what really transformed in your approach when you were working with them. Um. Again, probably the same question of, of the majority of places. It, you, you just want to go and be around people that you, you aspire to, to be and, and, and work you aspire to make. Yeah. And, you know, people that are better than you. I think no matter what level you are in your career, that should be your mindset all the time. And, and, and they were like some of our heroes. Me and Rory, were, we were like ad nerds. You know, we, we, we love advertising, still do, love ads and... But, Dave, Walt and Sean, you know, they were three of our heroes and they'd, they'd come together to set up a, an agency that was really small and we are like, that's really exciting because there's no one there. We can go and just learn. Yeah. And that was the mindset, just learn, like, we'll do anything. We'll just rinse their brains for as much as we can just to, just to get a bit of a, a, bit of a you know, a, a bit of a learning off, off them, you know. It, and it was, it, and they were amazing and really nurturing. Um, you know, I think I think that can be lost, especially really, well, you know, bigger places, unfortunately, and, and you know that that ability to nurture younger talent. Uh, yes, I think it's so important, and and, and you do find, and, and we're all guilty of it a bit because we get so busy. You get really good people in with good potential, but you forget they can't do it yet, and they're yes. often left to their own devices to crack things. We'll get frustrated why they haven't cracked it, but they are not very really good, and go well, no, that. They haven't learnt it yet, but all that potential is there. It's brilliant, but they need to be taught, and they get taught by making stuff, and they make stuff by making it with people. And you know, it, it, it's anyway. We, we had that at CDD, and, and and it was great. 
So you have that like Roger Corman mentality. You know, Roger Corman said as a filmmaker, if you want to teach someone how to be a great filmmaker, you just throw them in at the deep end. They have to make a film. Yeah. Uh, you know, people like uh, Scorsese cut their teeth that way. And it's like, they're going to make a bad film, but they can't yeah. understand the crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. I, and, and, and I've always said like, I, I've learned more, I'm sure most creatives have, from the bad ads I've made and the mistakes I've made and the bad creative directors I've worked on, under and bad agencies here and there. Um, not, not that I'm going to slag off any agencies, but you learn, you learn more that way, funnily enough, than just having a, you know, a career of just making great stuff with great, you know, in a great environment. Uh, you, you can quite often learn from just doing bad stuff, getting it wrong, fucking yeah. up, getting a therapy of the week. It's really important to, to just do it, try it. it. Might not work, but that's good. Yeah. It- it's it's a note for our it's a note for our creatives and for our um, sometimes for our clients as well, isn't it? Like you get a sense that clients are so obsessed with making sure that absolutely nothing goes wrong, and another way of saying that is making sure that no risk is taken and yeah. we have to take risk. Yes, exactly. You have to get risk. You have to get uncomfortable. Yeah, you have to. But no one really knows if something's going to be good or not. You'd never know. You just got to do it. You got to go with your. You got to go with your instinct. Go with what you think's right. It might it might be a failure, it might be a catastrophic failure, but you'll learn why it was a failure, and then you'll you'll implement that into the next thing, which will help make it good. So, yeah. Just on the note of uh, things that we didn't expect to become so successful, and not knowing and knowing that it's a risk, let's talk about Sony Bravia because I I understand that you had an involvement in that project, didn't you? Uh, not not on Bravia. I, I did on on Cadbury. Um, oh yes. Yeah, uh, it's probably what, what you get into with with Gorilla. I, I, I take it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, there's there's definitely that is one of those ideas. I if I I don't know anything about selling big brands, but if I was a client, I'd be terrified of that idea of uh, of Cadbury. Yeah, Gorilla. I mean that was a really interesting and, and that was a really interesting. Um, you know, I've got absolutely no um, credit on Gorilla, obviously at all. But but we did. Uh, you were at Fallon, weren't you? You jumped from CDD to Fallon. Yeah, yeah. So I went straight to Fallon, and one of the one of the briefs we got very early on was we'd done a little campaign on Bourneville, and uh, we got the opportunity to get the whole of Cadbury in, and and that brief, that brief was was quite open, and I think it was me and Chris and John and, and Juan were working on it, uh, me and Rory, and Chris and John did this brilliant, uh, really experiential, fun, cool campaign. I can't remember exactly the details. Me and Rory did a quite a classic, silly, funny ad campaign. I remember just think, reading Chris and John's stuff going, oh, that's really good. They, they're they're going to make that. Mm-hmm. And Chris William came in and went, oh, Juan's written this. And uh, we read it. It was, it was the Gorilla ad, obviously, in written form. And I, I, just, I just remember looking at it going, that is terrible. <laughs> like, yeah. that, that's, so, that's so shit. Like, a man in a gorilla suit on drums, that's awful, awful. And, and um, I remember seeing the edit going... Oh, I don't know that. Is that good? I don't know that's good. And and I think obviously it came out and it, it blew everyone away. And, and and at that point you realise, oh yeah, it is really good. And and I think the learning from that is it, it was good because no one had seen anything like it before. Yeah. No one really understood. Quan had something in his brain about why it was going to be good. You, you, you couldn't explain why it was good on paper for a start. 
you see it and you don't know whether it's good or not, which means you've got no point of reference, which means it's different and original. And, and, and they're the ads that normally scare me the most when you look at something like, I, I have no idea if that's good or not. Yeah. I have no point of reference. It probably means it's going to win something really big and, and be really successful. But, but it, it, you know, it was, it was a, yeah, it was a quite a big surprise when I, when I saw it and realised what, what actually... What it was going to become. Yeah, and, and, and I guess I was quite, you know, quite junior at that point in fact, and I guess it's going, people used to have faith in brilliant creatives, you know, but Rich had faith in Juan because he was really, really brilliant. Yeah. So he had something in his head he knew was good. We might have not quite have understood why, you know, you read and go, it's man in a British set, it's awful. You see it and go, oh, fuck kind of weird genius yeah and that's the scary bit isn't it because we can't measure it and that's similar similar to the idea you know when they were making um, the the record Bohemian Rhapsody yes there was no point at which Freddie Mercury could say "All right, here's how it's going to work and he was like no no just trust me Uh, we're going to sing a load of harmonies now uh, why where's it going we don't know where, but I know where it's going and do you not see that as much no I love that I remember Freddie Mercury's quote of it's inconceivable to mix rock with opera and, and that's the starting point. Like, you can't do that. It doesn't make any sense and, and that's not how it's done. And it did it and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So one of those, isn't it, where if it already makes sense to you, it's not really an original creative idea. Yeah. I think we, yeah. We talked but, about that with Dave Dye. He was saying if it already looks like an advert, then you've done it wrong. You'll be somewhat satisfied because yeah. you've made it to order, but it's not the it's not original. Yeah, it's quite often, you know, you get you get with, well, with music, obviously, and, and with comedy as well. It's like when The Office first came out, it didn't do very well. Same with The Beatles. Like, people don't really, uns- I've got no, I, there's nothing in my brain telling me that this is funny. Yes. Because I have no point of reference. And then after a while, oh, this is, this is really funny. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing to get your head around. But yeah. And there's an issue as well with your initial reaction to Cabri's Gorilla, uh, reading the script and thinking that's not a good idea. <laughs> I think this is very important for the juniors as well, and obviously you supervise a lot, uh, a reasonably big team. Um, there'll be a point where your initial conviction, which is this is shit, um, you see it, and your soul is trying to tell you that your initial judgment was wrong, but your ego is trying to hold on to your original decision. It's like, no, no, it is bad. I've, I've said it, so I need to just stick by it. How do you like get over that? Um, I, I, I get over that very easily. If something's good, it's good. And and sometimes it sometimes you see stuff. Go, I, I, you got to make that distinction as well. Of, I personally, there are a lot of ads that come out. And go. I, I, I can understand why that's good and why people love it. I personally don't like it. That's just me, but I appreciate why it's good. And that's quite different to going, that's just a really bad idea or it's really badly executed. So I think you've got to distinguish those two things. It's like, do you not like it? Because just personally, you don't find it funny when everyone, when everyone else finds it really funny and the creators love it and the client loves it. And, you know, I, I think it's kind of our job to, you know, it's our job to be empowering the creators and the CDs to do and make the stuff they're proud of and they want to do. And you're kind of here to guide them and direct them. So quite often we'll get, um, you know, Pablo, creative director, that's really excited about something and you can see they're passionate and why they think it's brilliant. And quite often you have to go, all right, go with it, let's see. Cool, if you believe in it, do it. Yeah. And you kind of guide it. 
a little bit. And then there are other times you go, that's just a really bad idea. Or, yeah. what, what do you do to couch your own... Um, what would you say? What do you do if you sense that one of the creatives is essentially just selling to themselves? They're like, well, I like the idea. It's like, yeah, but you're not the market. You're not the client. I think that's different. I think when you, you know, you've got to think about, you know, what you're here to do. You're not here for yourself to make awards and and uh, just forget about the audience and, and what you're doing as a brand and what value you're trying to give to people and all of those things. If, you, if you're ignoring all of that, just going, this just is a really cool bit of film that's going to win me something. Yeah. Um, you, you know, that, that doesn't fly. I th- you know, you've got to think first and foremost, make a brilliant bit, bit of talked about work that, that's going to be of some kind of meaning to people and will get them to react in some way, whatever that is. And if you do that well enough and it gets talked about and it's great, you know, awards and things like that should, should come secondary. Yes. You've got to focus on you know, what you're here to do. Yeah. yeah. Why are you here? Yeah. We do you know um Andy Bunday? He's he's the creative director of the Am Partnership up here. Oh, okay. Uh, I just know him personally. He said uh, something really that, that always that, that stayed with me. He said, We're not curating an art gallery here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're communicate it's communications for our clients. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you, I think you do you do forget well, some people do forget it, it, it is a business. You you are ultimately trying to get people to buy stuff, uh, you know, persuade them to buy things they don't really need a lot of the time. And, you know, you've got to mix, you know, persuasion is, it's a, again, problem solving. It's a really creative thing. And you can do that in a really brilliant and entertaining and creative way, like you said, Sandy Balls or, 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 or um, Gorilla or whatever it is. And, but it's got to be first and foremost, what, what are you trying to get people to do? Why should they care? What you, What's your um, what's your point for people? Yeah, and how do you do that in a persuasive, different, creative, and tiny way? You can't just start with "I just want to make this amazing bit of thing for myself, so I can get an award and go somewhere else." You know? Yeah, because then it feels like what you're doing is you're you're taking your client's budget and using it to uh, act out your uh, dreams of yeah. being a filmmaker or whatever. Yeah, yeah, just go, go and make some art on the side. And a lot of people do do that. Obviously, you get we've got a lot of creatives that you know doing film projects on the side there. They're, they're making stuff as well as as well as what they're doing, you know, in their day to day job. And, and you know, we're working with quite a lot of creatives uh, where we're serving each other. Like we, you know, we've got Chris and John working with us, um, you know, three days a week, and they're setting up their own TV production thing. And we we kind of go, well, how can we help you with that a bit? And how can you help us with this over here? And uh, I guess just getting like really good, you know. Again, really good, interesting people together that are here for the same reason, that know what they're about and what we're about, and, and try, just trying to get to trying to get to good stuff. So, we need, on that point, we need to get to what's going on at Pablo now, and yeah, you in there. And so, we got up to Fallon. What was after Fallon? So after, do, 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 I'm just going to turn off my emails because I don't know if you're hearing this. I'm getting. I'm hearing a couple of bings and I'm re- registering the busyness of uh, no, the... It's more, it's more the annoyance than the busyness. This, <laughs> <laughs> this, this Hopefully that will stop now. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so after, after Fallon went to CHI for, for, for a little bit, about, about a year and a half, and, and again, it was really great working with people like John Burley and uh, you know, a good eclectic mix of, of people. And, and then I got, um, got offered a job to go and... Uh, run the creative department at Channel 4, 
at full creative. Initially, that was going to be for like six months because Alice had gone on maternity. So back then, she was the uh, she was the head of, of head of creative at Channel Four, and Chris and John were the ECDs of all of Four, which encompassed E Four and more yeah. Four. So she ended up coming back. I think about eight months later, and she took Chris and John's job, and I stayed on doing her job. So. I, I was there for quite a chunk of time and it was just amazing. I think it's one of those things where you just go, it's just all about the work. You get that opportunity, you go, you go where the work is. And, and, and again, one bit of advice to anybody starting out, just go where the work is. Go, go where, go, go where the, the work and the people are there for the, you know, the right reasons and yeah. just try and make great stuff and are making great stuff. And, um, yeah, that was my next move after then and, 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 and and I guess that, that that was the place that really kind of reminded me of, of why I did it in the first place. I talked a bit about 20 years ago, but, you know, fast forward to then, it, it was just, it was really exciting again. You know, I can keep saying it, but it was all about the work again. And it was all about people there for the same reasons with a combined sort of effort just to make great talked about different shaped stuff and... And, and again, we failed a lot. We tried loads of different stuff and some things didn't work. Sometimes some things did, some things were just crazy that went through. Some, some things were crazy that didn't, but it was just, it, there were no rules when it came to the creative side. Remember any uh, work you were really proud of from your time at Channel 4? Uh, well, a large part of, of the time though, which did take quite a long time, was just the rebrand. So, you know, all the idents for Channel 4, which is still running now, I think they, on average, run for about five years before they changed them again. That was like... What, what year was it that you were there? Oh, that must have been two, 2017, 18? Yeah. I think, so I think in about 2019 or tw- beginning of 20, they the islands went out. So it was quite a long time uh, working on that. It, it was a really big brief within the agency, obviously. it's If we're going to rebrand ourselves... Yeah, we've got to remind people what we're about. What is that? What's the shape of that? And it and it took many many months of us toying around with different things and, and getting the remit right and what we're about now and how do we make items interesting? Yeah, it was it was like threefold. It, TV has gone into a really weird time where people remember the programs now, but not the channels they're on. That's right. Um, so the audience had to serve a bit of a purpose of reminding people what, funnily enough, channel they were actually on yeah. <laughs> for watching them and, and remind people what the remit of the channel was. So quite a lot of things going on that we had to tie yeah. together. It must have been very interesting uh, being at a television channel at a time when television and consumption of that kind of media is transforming. What was the atmosphere like? Did Was that a part of everyday life there, knowing that the Netflix tidal wave. Yeah, less, you'd have to ask people working there now. And I, hmm. But I think towards, towards the end of my time there before I, um, before I left, were, it, you were starting to feel that. I think, from my personal experience, the bulk of the time I was there, it wasn't, it wasn't really a, an issue. We, we, yeah. we were obviously rebranding very much doing work where people were noticing and talking about it and sharing it. You know, you just come off the back of superhumans. Um, we, we had a clear, clear remit um, that, that gave us a real platform to make really interesting stuff that was culturally relevant. And we had really big briefs on, on, amongst that. So there was like the, the bake-off was 
coming to fore with us. So that became a really, really big brief. We, we were doing women's Euros. Uh, we had Formula One come to fore. We had all these big, juicy things that yeah. all, all tied together under the alternative voice platform. So I don't know. I, I never really noticed it. I always wonder if it's like an issue of um, an issue of the siloing that we all experience at the moment. So that's to say that people who don't watch TV, and that includes you know people like me, but that's not uh, there's nothing specific about that. I think it's just the nature of being 28. You know, it's like people yeah. in their 20s don't watch loads of TV. Um, but I think it's a case that if you don't watch loads of TV, you think no one does, and if you do watch TV, you think no one doesn't watch TV. Yeah. I, I, I... Yeah, I, I don't think it was, it was an issue, and I think people, a lot of people are still watching TV, and I think maybe that will change as these younger people and, and the habits they're in start growing up, or whether you know it reverts back or not. I mean, you know, I hit forty and I watch a lot more TV than I used to, funny enough, and yeah, and uh, listen to things I swear I'd never listen to, like Dire Straits. And <laughs> yeah, I think there is a thing called a Dire Straits effect when you hit when you hit forty, um, but. Yeah, I think it's uh, for Channel Four. It was a bit more. I, I think the bigger issue was, you know, for years it's been an alternative voice, and it's been a platform for people, and, and that's you know it still does that brilliantly. But over time, you know, young people are finding their own voice and their own platforms on on things like social media and and you know taking to the streets and uh, finding its role now, particularly with young people, I think is quite interesting. But, yes. You know, we've always needed an alternative voice before, but now kind of people have got that. They're doing it themselves. They're creating hashtags. They're doing what they do. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's all interesting problems to have. But, I mean, it will always do brilliant stuff for, you know, I have a lot of love for it. It's, it's, yeah. And so then, is that the, was that the last place you were at before you made the jump over to Pablo? No. <laughs> the, reason, the reason I left there was... Uh, uh, we were looking for a creative director to come and join us at four, and the headhunter asked if I'd be interested in chatting um, to Chuck Porter about going to reboot Crispin Porter. Okay. So I ended up doing that, did, did that for not very long, did that for about six months, and then I, I kind of came out of there going, do you know what, I, I don't really know what I want to do. I, I don't ever want to go back to advertising, actually. I don't ever want to go back into broadcast. To your point, it's changing there. Advertising's changing a bit over here. Don't want to go abroad. It, it it was a bit of a weird conundrum, and, and I guess coming full circle, I what led me to Pablo was yeah. I just want to work with really great people that are on a bit of a mission to do something, and and a bit more entrepreneurial in their brains and mindsets, and are independent and and are and are a bit scrappy and doing doing something exciting. I, I think for me, it just comes down always to the people and what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, so. You know, I was, I was freelance, freelancing there a bit. I kind of could see the potential in the place whilst getting to know Gareth. And, you know, it was a bit more early days then, even though it was only two and a bit years ago. Things were bubbling away and it was winning stuff and, and it just, just needed a bit of sorting out with people and process and creative department and all of that all of that stuff. So I just saw a really exciting opportunity to go in and work with Gareth and the rest of the, of the management team to... What, set up our North Star, what we're trying to do, you know, what, what what do we need to do it, what's the process we need to put in place to do it, and let's, let's go it, go with it. And, you know, it's asked to fuck up if we, if we get get that structure right. And, and, and that was it, really. And just 
two years later, I'm st- still here and we're having a really good time. <laughs> that is, yeah, well, that's, if you can't say that, then it's time to be eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, it's good, it's good to know because I was looking for some insight into why it is that Pablo is a name I've been seeing more and more over the last 18 months. Um, I, well, probably in the last, well, definitely in the last year, I, I think, you, you know, COVID and the whole shenanigans, it kind of helped us in a way, and, and, and I don't want that misconstrued, but it helped us in a way because it it, it made us go, hey, what are we going to do about it? We can either kind of batten down the hatches, you know, get rid of people, shrink down, like wait it out and just do what we can with the lack of briefs now we have. Or, or we can flip that completely and, like you said earlier, take a bit of a risk and go, actually, let, let's invest in the credit department. Let's use money we've saved to invest in people. Let's yeah. set up now our next team. Let, let's let's get really proactive as an agency quickly and like, hey, what can we help? How can we help in the immediate term on, on, on things, whether that's with clients that we've got or, or clients we don't have? Um, and how can we just, you know, have a bit more of an attack mentality and, and use our nimbleness and independence to do that? And, and you know, we did all do it with a slightly worried face, but we did it and it, and it, and it worked, you know, it, it paid off. And like we said earlier, you do things that make you uncomfortable and normally good things come out of it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's certainly the only way that you develop and grow into a you know, more substantial person than you were a moment ago is to do the thing that scares you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think having that, which is what I love about the place, and having that sort of entrepreneurial mindset more than advertising mindset when it comes to how do we get up, I hate using this word, get up, get up upstream a bit. How do we, how do we, um, how do we do what no one else is going to do? How do we think of it differently? Um, yeah, how do you win beforehand? Yeah, exactly, and you know, and we did. We got everyone involved in that. We had uh, Amy and Jacob doing things like that, the stay-at-home stuff. Whilst the government was dithering about, they got out and just got really proactive, and you know that ended up on the news in the states, and that was all over everywhere. And, and what, what was that work? Sorry. So, um, Amy and Jacob, who are a great team that that work with us, you know, they just went right. Almost day two, we're in panic mode. Everything's shutting down. Uh, Boris is kind of dithering about about what we should and shouldn't be doing. It was all getting confusing. They just made really simple posters about staying at home. So, you know, sit on a sofa to save a life, things like that. Big, bold, simple, and just found um, all these empty ad shells because everyone had taken their posters down and just got them for free, put them up around London. That kind of got shared on Instagram and then we got more poster sites and people just got involved with it. Before we knew it, it was like everywhere, and it was in papers and getting lots of media. I think the government even ripped it off. Yeah. Um, well, you came up with "Stay Home, Save Lives, Protect the NHS." I'm not saying we did that, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then and then we just kept that going. We did like you know things um, like Run Right was the next thing. You, you know, we saw that government might be taking running rights away. So we did the same thing. We teamed up with Sky and got that on TV. And, you know, Tim, Tim, uh, other ECD, uh, Pablo had this really nice idea of, oh, I found this bineural sound technology. Um, and I, I can see that people, you know, are getting really mentally stressed because they can't go on a holiday. How about we get people to travel from the sofa and we create amazing soundscapes of Mexico and Jamaica and we call it Sonic Holidays. 
We go, oh, that's cool. And then we call up Huawei, they get really excited about it. And suddenly we've got it made and it's got 2 million downloads and we've got, you know, away with Huawei and we're working with them. So it was just going like that proactive mentality and going for stuff and just scattergunning and just trying to get, you know, another inch forward in the madness. And, and, it, and, it, and it paid off in lots of different ways. That's exactly the mentality. I always like to encourage people to think that if you make things 2% better every day, yeah. then after 50 days, it's 100% better than where you were. So uh, um, so, so I'm, I'm really, I am, it's, it's, it's like I've been provided with a bit of insight there into the type of thinking that's going on at Pablo and yeah. why we've seen more of that over the last year. And, and certainly you won some big accounts this year, didn't you? Or in the last 12 months. Yeah, we, 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 well, that was the other thing we did. We started just getting on as many pictures as we could and... Um, you know, we won uh, Clipper T and then Betfair Casino and then uh, towards the end, obviously we had Comet Relief that was ongoing and that was a new account. And then we had, at the end of the year, Deliveroo, which is kind of, which is kind of the, the big win for us. Yes. And it's kind of a game changer in a good way. You know, it's, Have you done some work for them yet? We, we're launching properly in March. So it's, it, it, we've been, you know, all at it. Yeah, this will probably be out after it's launched, so there's no... Okay, well, well yeah, there should be some work. Hopefully it's good. Uh, now, we're really excited about about, about them. They're just an incredibly brilliant creative client that, that have done really well out of, unfortunately, this, you know, changed time because people are ordering more, ha- eating habits are changing and, yeah. you know... They've done well for the right reason, haven't they? So they've, they've done well for the right reason. Right reason exactly, and they kept some businesses in business. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've enabled people to continue getting the kind of service that just kept them sane. You know, me and my flatmates. Friday nights was delivery night. We needed it to feel like it was Friday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, you know, they 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 have meaning to people, and you know that they're very uh, conscious in what they do when it comes to linking communities and neighbours. They do so many great things that probably aren't aired enough, even throughout um throughout the uh throughout the country and and, and yeah you know, it's a really exciting really exciting creative opportunity of course we i'm quite we're all i'm sure quite enthusiastic about the the green implications of delivery that is mostly cycle delivery yeah which is yeah great. yeah so so it's a you know it's a really really great great win and really exciting um you know really exciting into the year for us and it, it's uh it's time to make the work. <laughs> time to make the work on it now. So. Exciting time. So I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of that. Um, and let's try and see if we can get some music in here because you mentioned sure. that once you cross the 40 threshold uh, that Dire Street starts appealing <laughs> to you. I it's, hope we can uh, <laughs> not go into that uh, too much. It's a, it's a bit of a stretch. It was just, um, I, for some reason, I had Dire Straits on my playlist came up and I was, I was doing some exercise in my bedroom and it was on my, on my um, iPhone. And Linda, my wife, came in and went, no. She went, you're turning into your dad off. Turn it off now. I was just, she got really angry. <laughs> she got really angry about it. Yeah. Uh, I was like, actually, it's, not, it's all right. It's not too bad. But no, you're right. It's just a warning sign, isn't it? We had, um, I used to film motorsport racing when I was 17. And so that would involve long weekends driving down the country. And there was one, um, 
uh, weekend. It was a bank holiday weekend where we had a single compilation CD made by one of our drivers that was 12 tracks long and it played about 100 times over the weekend. In the middle was The Walk of Life by Dire Straits. And it was one of those, I don't know if you like Stuart Lee, the comedian. Yeah, I've seen him. Yeah, so of course, the style is repetition, right? So it's yeah. the more it repeats, it gets worse and then it starts to get slightly better. And, you know, about the hundredth time, it was a great record. <laughs> Yeah. So, what else is in your collection? Ah, oh, I mean, I, I, I used to be really into music. Actually, I, you know, again, I, I probably spend more time nowadays listening to, 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 um, well, the beat. I'm a massive Beatles fan. I know it's really cliche. Massive Beatles fan, and I'm also a really big Queen fan. Yeah, uh, and everything in between. Uh, so I, I spend a lot of time listening to, to old stuff. So, so I think I read somewhere that the music that you listen to and you hit, I think it's like 15. 16, yeah. yeah. 16, it, it, it's, it's the point in your life that kind of defines who you are as a person. You always go back to that music. Yeah. It's quite an interesting, interesting thing. But yeah, I'm, I'd say Beatles first and foremost. I always go back to the Beatles. Yeah, uh, it's hard not to. I, I uh, sometimes say that the Beatles are... Uh, nobody's favourite band, but everyone thinks they're the best band. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, it's that thing like, I don't really trust, I know it's really, really shallow, isn't it? I never really trust anyone that doesn't like the Beatles or doesn't yeah, like the Beatles. It's one of those litmus tests. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like, ah, oh, the Beatles are overrated. You know, okay, here we go. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I'm trying to think what else. I don't get as much time to listen to music as, as I used to. I think, um, you know, it's... It was one the one downside of not commuting and things like that anymore is that was my music time. That was the stuff I'd, I'd listen to. And because that's gone, it, it's a bit harder to find the time to do it, oddly enough. But Yes, but. we did a podcast at the start of this year with a guy called Jason Brownlee. He's a, you know, insights and analytics guy. And he showed told us this really interesting story about how during the lockdown, Spotify streaming numbers had gone down and not up. And that's the reason because no one had their commute anymore. And that accounts for a huge amount of streaming. So I think it will come back when you get get back to doing that. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. I mean, it's, it's, um, I did go on a nice long walk the other day, first, first time in weeks and, and just listen to music again. And it is important, like, it, it, getting your brain cleared and just, for me, it's like a bit of an emotional leveller again, and yeah. and it's a motivator and all of those things. And I, I think it's a good reminder to, to to get it back in my life somehow. Yes. So, so that's something. Pablo is still independent, isn't it? Yeah, still independent. So I get the impression that a lot of the people who are a lot of the agencies who are under more pressure not to return to the office are the ones who are owned by enormous holding companies. Uh, do you suspect that you guys might be able to get back into the office this year, maybe sort of a few months' time? Yeah, I, I think that's the plan. I, it, you know, we, 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 our, our office is coming to the end of its uh, tenure just, just, just after the um, shutdown, if, if you like. So we did a thing uh, where we gave the proceeds to Shelter. They were our neighbours on the road that we, we were on in. East London so instead of getting a new office we did that had a deal with them and and I guess the plan now is to go well we're getting a bit bigger we're going to need an office how we use it we're chatting with everyone in the agency about like, 
how do you want to work, I guess, because you've got to be careful. There's, there's this assumption everyone's just going to want to carry on kind of doing this. Yeah. You're going to want, want to work, work remotely now. I think that's an assumption made by accountants, if I may say that. I think it is, because ultimately people are missing each other. They're missing yeah, people. Yeah, usually. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think you're going to want that. You want to take the best bits out of this and implement them. So if you want to work remotely, great. You know, that can work for you and all of those things. We've, we've shown it can work. Yes. But I don't think we can just assume everyone's going to want to kind of do two days a week in the office. You know, I don't know if that's going to be true. I, I think well, you sympathise with that as a creative mind, won't you? That there's no point now of all times when everything's still up in the air, trying to assume what the trends are going to be forever. No, we don't know. Like, until things go back to normal, I think yeah, I think we will go back to normal, normal event at some point, hopefully sooner or later. I think I think we'll get back into that thing we love about what we do, which is just being around each other and thinking about stuff and, and you know, the culture of a place. And and it's fun, you know. And, and I, most people want that. Yes. And, and um, like we were saying, it's always, the, in my experience, the people making the argument that no one really ever wants to go back to the office, uh, the, uh, you know, it's the bean counters, the ones who say offices are expensive. It's like, yeah, but we are so just overwhelmingly social as creatures. You know, we eat together. It's like we do everything together. Yeah. We, yeah. we feel weird not being around other people even when we have no reason to be with those particular people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, you've got to be careful with that stuff. Uh, ultimately, making bad work is more expensive. Yeah. Um, and to make good work, you need to be in an environment where, where, where that can happen. And that, that is when you're around people. Because, you know, we're in a people business. We're selling stuff to people. We're selling people to do stuff. We have to be together to do that. To, to be understand able to... how other people are. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, quite rightly, people have been going, no, I really like working at home. That's probably because subconsciously you're going... There's this fucking death virus out there. I want to be in, that, in my house. I don't want to be out there. I feel safe and I like it. I think this time next year, it could be very, very different. And I think, you know, people are going to be going to be wanting to be in an office again. Yeah, absolutely. How, just how we work it will, will probably be a bit different. And so uh, for, uh, for Dan Watts, it's going to be getting in and managing the creative team uh, that will presumably have been just as successful in 21 as they were in 20 for new business. So, uh, I hope so. is anything else coming up that you're excited about that you can t talk about, you know, that isn't NDA? Uh, we are doing, well, we're, do, we're doing another couple of pictures which are exciting. I don't know if I can mention what they are. Um, uh, I think first and foremost at the moment, Deliveroo, we've got a really exciting thing it's been bumped a little bit shoot-wise for San Miguel, the next campaign uh, campaign for that, which I'm really excited by. Um, we've got um, got a whole host of work for no really exciting clients like um, Appyject, which is this new medical innovation that sounds really complex, but really exciting humanistic um, invention. So that's like a really exciting thing going on. There's lots of stuff. Yeah. I, again, I, I, half of it, I'm not sure what I'm allowed to say. What I'm not. Yeah, understood. But there's always something at the moment, and 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 it's very, it's very exciting and, and very busy. So, I think That's great. First and foremost, just making it good, whatever it is. Yeah, that's 
music to my ears because um, I'm sure you've run up against it in your career where the issue is, it doesn't matter how good it is, just make it fast. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, that's, you know, I think it's that old quote of creativity is a, it's a, it's a product, not a service. Yeah. And I think that's really true. You know, it's, we used to have a thing on our wall at Fallon said, cows need to eat grass to make milk. And, and it's really true. Like you need to be in open mode a lot of the time where you can play and that's very different to being in the closed mode where you've got to actually nut down, do meetings, check stuff and all of that. And I think too much of the time everyone's in that closed mode. And, and, and you can't be creative in that mode. You can only be creative. It's like when you're at school, you, great bits you remember from school really are break times. That's when you chat about music, thoughts and stuff with your friends and all of that stuff. You don't really remember the lessons. Now, both are important. You have to be, you have to be in that more closed brain. And yeah, that is no, that really is quite remarkable because I'd never noticed that until you said it. You said school, and I pictured being on the yard uh, yeah, yeah. at eleven fifteen. Yeah. And when you say school, I think of my peers. I never think of the teachers. I never no. think of the lessons. No, no, you don't. But you know. It's it's the, the bits where you're most creative is where you can be open and be yourself and think and dick about and not overthink and all of that. And the bit where you're in the closed bit is when you've got to get your shit together a little bit. But you know you need as a creative you need as much time as possible in the in the open bit. Um, yeah. So. So, so hopefully we'll be getting back to it this year. Um, you know, when you do, uh, I, I say to every, everyone, more or less everyone I speak to is in London. And I say to everyone, we'll be down there. We are going to potentially try and do something like this in real life, bring a couple of mics, do some real conversations without all the Zoom goodness. So hopefully we'll be able to come do that wherever you are. Yeah, great. I look forward to that. So yeah, have you, um, I, well, I, I, you're probably not old enough, I was going to say, have you had your uh, vaccination notice yet? Or uh, I, I've had my first one actually, because really? yeah, I, um, we had, North London is, um, they got through all the uh, the tears really quickly, and I, I have asthma. All right. So it's not like severe, uh, but for some reason I've, I, I got uh, got mine a bit earlier than I thought it was going to be going to have but I had, I had Corona like a year ago and I got really ill <laughs> no way. what was that like? yeah I think it really ill I, I had like really bad breathing and it was horrendous so um, oh, what, like, kind of like you'd had like the worst asthma kind of yeah and it, and it was it was like in March so yeah we really had there's no testing and no you know no one um, the symptoms were just you got a cough and a fever um, and then I lost my smell and that just had every symptom going and um you know, it's, it's 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 good to have had it. Hopefully, I haven't taken it off some some granny. But I don't think I have, so I don't feel too guilty. And they say if you get the if you get the invite, you've got to take it. So I did it. Great. No, no, no. I'm I'm really happy to hear that. And like you say, it was the 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 world was at its scariest at about March the twentieth last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's been all over the place, isn't it? It's been. You know, there's every chance it may have gone from me to you because I. Uh, was in London on February 28th last year, uh, last time I was ever in London, and um, I developed a persistent dry cough as the day went on. But it, yeah, it didn't bother me at all because it, it wasn't really the mainstream news at the time. No. Um, but 
the last thing I did that day was go to a busy pub with Danny Edwards from Shots on Liverpool Street where it was elbow room only. You just know <laughs> that at that time it was just ripping through London. Yeah. Oh, it's really, it's crazy when you look back on it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so hopefully it wasn't me, but I'm glad you're vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. It's, before you know it, everyone will be and we'll all, we'll all be back out. Yeah. Back and so I suppose let's... Um, Use that as a note to go out on. <laughs> great, great. Well, uh, yeah, ho- hope to see you in real life at some point. <laughs> <laughs>